105.7 KOZZ, Reno's number one for classic rock and max volume. And with me on the phone, Graham Edge from the Moody Blues. Hi, Max. How you doing? Wow. What a pleasure to have you on the show today. And uh, always here on the Triple Shot Lunch to spend some time with the, 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 the musicians that bring the music to town. Still at it. You guys are still at it. I know. Well, we're a bunch of old hams. <laughs> I love it. I love playing live. I could do without the travel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but playing live is a live audience is the most fun uh, you could have. Yeah. So you're one of the founding members of the band. Yes, I. Uh, Forty-four years. I started when I was three. <laughs> <laughs> Take us back to the early days in London and England when when things just started and uh, w- it was a song called Go Now that really got you some global notoriety, uh, made the Moody Blues a bit of a household name but take us back to the early days of the Moody Blues. Oh, well that were great days because uh, there was a whole bunch of bands in England that later became known as the British Invasion. But there was a whole bunch of us over there, most notably the Beatles, of course, but there was the Animals, uh, the Stones. Um, um, the Kinks? Kinks, yeah, Led Zeppelin. The Who? That came a bit later, but a whole bunch of us, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath, all, all of those um, British invasion bands were uh, all playing around and seeing each other on the, on the, lo- on the British local gig circuit, you know? Yeah. And hanging out in the clubs and just really exciting days, you know. Um, every, well, everybody was so pleased for everybody else, of course. Everybody loved the fact that the Beatles started getting hits in America because they kicked the door open and we started getting hits in America as well. So it was exciting, thrilling days and, um, you know, we knew no limits. And some of the early images uh, of you guys with the Nehru shirts on and the Paisley shirts, all the psychedelic. Boy, you guys really, I think that y- you had that whole art rock thing going on early on when you got dressed each day. Well, yeah. it was uh, Actually, I, I won't claim it as my comment, but a friend of mine, we were sitting in a club uh, having a, you know, a drink one evening, and he says, you know, sitting here in the clubs in London nowadays, he says it's like sitting in a commissary at a movie theater where they're shooting three different costume dramas. Why <laughs> <laughs> were we dressed up? There was Ed, the Edwardians. There was the freaky Paisley art rocks. There was, uh, you, you, you know, the leather rocker types. It was, and nobody bothered anybody. Everybody was having a ball. One of five point seven KOZ winners, number one for classic rock. A real treat to spend some time with Graham Edge. Graham Edge uh, with us here on the Triple Shot Lunch and uh, Moody Blues in town. Uh, always good to have you guys around. You 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 have been here a lot of times. Uh, we talked about the early days with the uh, Moody Blues, but uh, something I was just thinking about now is how you as a band collectively, uh, began to f- uh, blaze a trail for the progressive art movement and the concept album. Well, yeah, we um, yeah we sort of made a conscious decision to make albums uh, because um, at the time, you, you know, you had to have your two minutes, 30 seconds uh, was the length of your, uh, Radio your hit. hit single. 
and we just didn't feel that was enough time to do anything musically. <laughs> yeah. So we decided to forget about singles and make albums and then let the record company pick something up for a single if they must, you know. Which is how come we ended up with a four and a half minute uh, days, uh, Nights in White Satin. Yeah. Which would never have been released as a single except it was the only one on the album they could find. Yeah. But we, we, we consciously made it to stay with albums and... We just all, you know, used to go in the studio and stay there till we'd made an album. So that's how this sort of concept idea of the album uh, came around, because we were all sitting there talking about, we were all on the same page and and probably using the same chemical substances. I can't really remember about that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, when Days of Future Past was released, it was kind of at the same time as, say, say, um, like... uh, a lot of rock was being looked at as, well, it's not just a bunch of noise. The conservative element and the uh, people that were on the fence with, with kind of like the mainstream music were now taking a look at some of the, 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 the music saying, well, this is... And the way Days of Future Past was, was released, it looked like a classical record. And then when you look at records like uh, In Search of the Lost Chord... Um, Every good boy deserves favor to our children's children's children. You really got into, and this is a time where, boy, I, my heart goes out to the bands these days. How much can you fit on a little tiny CD cover or an uh, or an MP3 download? You know, when you had that album in your hands and you looked at uh, In Search of the Lost Chord, you could look at that album and read the stories, and it was like a book, and you could spend some time with it as you sat in the diamond of sound with your big stereo going on. That's and it. You could use the gate flow, fold to clean your grass. They were the <laughs> yeah, I do feel sorry for them because not only that, but there are there are no record labels anymore. Yeah, there's... so you, you know, there's uh, the the old time record labels. They had an art department. They had a studio. They had uh, yeah. distribution. You know, yeah. you could get every, everything done in house, and and uh, there were people there that sort of really cared about music. Yeah, Even it's so some sad. Some of them didn't understand what the hell we were doing. They recognized the fact that if they gave us our head, we might come up with something interesting. Well, and as soon as the record companies all went to hell in a handbasket here in, in the world, yeah. uh, then uh, then went the record stores. And I can remember when I was really young, like 8th, ninth grade, uh, even 6th and 7th grade, going down on a Saturday to the record store and going through the records and looking at the covers and checking out the tapestries and the posters and the incense and, you know, reading uh, uh, the magazines that were there. Yeah, it just and was, waiting for three weeks on the edge of your seat for your favorite artist's next yeah. single to come out. You remember yeah. those days? They were fabulous. Yeah, days. you know? And uh, it's just sad now that there's very few places to A, buy music, or C, very few record companies that release music. A lot of bands doing it at all themselves, and you go to buy it at their shows. you got to buy it at their shows or Walmarts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Graham Edge, we're hanging out with Graham Edge. Now, when... Uh, you, as a conscious effort, you and Justin, and, and well, geez, tell us about, as the whole band started, and where you are now, just the three of you, how it, how it still feels now. Oh, it feels great now. Um, you know, uh, Mike left in 74, so uh, he, you know, we don't remember him, but, <laughs> Ray, Ray, well, it's a long time ago. Yeah, but, and Ray. Uh, Ray left only about four years ago due to, really due to health, not one of those 
uh, phony put-ups, you know, that we'd had a row. He, he really was sick, and he is very sadly missed. We miss him a great deal. But fortunately, we've got a wonderful replacement. We've yeah. got a lady who plays flute, and she's a proper little rocker. <laughs> and, you know, it's hard to find, you know, rockers who play flute, but she she plays a little guitar. She's uh, she's a seventh Dan Kaikwendo, so she does high kicks on stage, and she's a concert-level flautist. Wow. So that goes well, but we're all loving it. We're a bunch of old hams. We We keep working all the time. You know, just getting out there and playing to the people. That's what we did rather than work for a living when we were kids. <laughs> well, you have so many great songs. I mean, you can literally sit down and play for two hours straight, take a break, and then come back for another two hours. So much great music that you have. And I know that in the set, probably some of the must-haves that you have to do, you have to do Nights in White Satin. You have to do that. Yeah, and we've got to do Tuesday Afternoon. Yeah. And we have to do Singer in a rock and roll band. And yeah. Um, I always yeah. love the drums on 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 the on, on the album, but the but that and then it decided to kind of slowly build up speed, build up speed, and all of a sudden I'm just a singer in a rock and roll band kicks, and that was just a win. the great things about listening to your albums, all the lovely, all the things that happened in between the the songs. Oh yeah, well some DJs back then got, got a little uh, annoyed with us because it was hard to find the end of one song and the start of another because it was that not not that nice little clear gap. <laughs> it used to be, <laughs> yeah. but they they soon learned how to tee things up. But yeah, that was always great fun. The crossfades as well always gave. Yeah, headphones. But, uh, up. You know, it just kept the buzz going. That's what we thought. Well, Graham, thanks for spending some time with us, uh, in, and looking forward to the show. And everybody, Moody Blues are in town. Yeah, it's we'll be, a be good there time. at the Super Legacy Casino, and looking forward to uh, letting you hear us on one hundred five point seven FM's Reno Classic Rock. With max volume. Thank you, Graham.